You are listening to the Hustle of the Day podcast with Trent Bray from Hustle Energy. What's up, everybody? My name is Trent. This is the Hustle of the Day podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs and those that get out there and hustle. Today, I've got my good friend, Spider O'Neill. We have known each other for years and years and years uh, back in high school. Yes. Lifetimes ago. (laughs) Spider is a unique case. So he has gone the entrepreneurship route before, but now he is what I would term an intrapreneur, somebody who is at a company, but they are, but he personally is making waves there for his leadership ability. And so I wanted to have him on to kind of talk about that. But first things first, since it, the audience doesn't know you as well as I do, why don't you give us a quick rundown of who Spider is? Uh, this is a rough one. I'll try and coast through this. Um, you know, I kind of started like most people here in Utah. Grew up LDS. And I uh, left the church when I was 14. And you'd think that like at that age, it's kind of like it's out of rebellion, right? It's like ah, all teenagers, they hate their parents. They Mm -hmm. hate the establishment, the man, all that stuff. Uh, But I wasn't. It was like that's when you started uh, seminary, which is going to church while at school. It's like a class that's church. And uh, so then I really started thinking about it. I was like, okay, so what is this I'm believing in? And, you know, I started asking questions and they were all like, you know, read the scriptures, pray about it. So I did that for a while. and, And after doing that, that's when I realized, you know, this isn't for me. So... Uh, that was honestly to, to kind of curtail this. That, that was like one of the first moments of my life that I really felt like I was thinking for myself. Okay. Where I wasn't just going to school to go to school. I wasn't doing like going through every day as a kid does, mm-hmm. you know, as your parents do and all that stuff. It was a, it was a moment of independence and it was terrifying because I was the first kid that I know of in my family that did that. Okay. And... Um, in some ways it was empowering, but definitely terrifying. And then the next year, you know, when I'm 15, I, I get stuck into a wheelchair for a year or so and they didn't know what was wrong. So that was a very defeating moment. So I had this moment of fear and triumph and then all of that went to fear and misery. And that was a very, very impactful year of my life because, you know, that's when you start high school. That's when like life starts for some people you're like oh i'm dating and boys and girls and there's the opposite sex right and then you're going through actual high school and dealing with all of that and the social aspect of it and i didn't have any of that because i was in a wheelchair and two-thirds of the year i was in a hospital or i was at home Mm -hmm. because i couldn't go to school and that was super impactful for me because i because I didn't have anybody and I didn't have those social outlets and I didn't have those social connections, I had nowhere else to connect but with myself. Okay. So I really like kind of dove into me and who I was and what I stood for and what I liked and what I loved and what I was going to do. And it was very, very hard because the doctors didn't know why I was in the wheelchair. You know, I just, I'm not going to go into details here, but one day I basically, I got up and then I couldn't walk. And uh, about nine months into it, um, nine or ten months into it, they finally figured out what it was. So for that nine or ten months, I was in a wheelchair, and I had no idea why, and nobody knew why. And that is something 
incredibly hard to even like fathom. Even even for me, as I'm looking back on that, I was like, holy shit, man, like that was that's intense. Like, like who goes through something like that? Like there are definitely people that go through that, but yeah. I don't know anybody else in my life that has gone through something like that mm-hmm. to that extent at such an important age, right. right? Like, holy crap, that sucks. So then when I get out of that wheelchair, which, which is about the time I met you. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it really was. In fact, actually a little bit, uh, a moment of empowerment that I remember the day and the instant that I got out of that wheelchair and it was on July 24th, which is a Utah holiday. We're wheeling this back a little bit here. But uh, my my big thing, I kind of grew up a pyro like all boys did. You know, Boy Scouts was awesome because we used gasoline and matches and blew yeah. stuff up. You know what I mean? Like that was always fun. And so when it was 4th of July or 24th of July, I was the firework kid. So like our neighbors would all gather up. They'd put their lawn chairs on their side and my family on the other side. And then I would do the fireworks show. Mm-hmm. I would literally I'd yep. set them up. I would do all that stuff. Like that was me. I was the fire guy. And this was the first year I couldn't do anything. I was in a wheelchair. And I'd already started on, you know, medications once they kind of figured out what was going on. And they started me on these medications and I was doing physical therapy. But I still, like, I just couldn't get over this hump. And what's what's strange to even think about is that I forgot how to walk. So I've been walking for 14, 15 years of my life. And then all of a sudden, nine months out, and then you don't know how to walk again. Like, you're you're getting to the point of capabilities of doing it, but you just don't know how to do it. It's like a baby kind of a thing. It's mm-hmm. like, that's really how it felt. So I was sitting there 24th of July, somebody else is doing fireworks and they came over and they gave me a sparkler. So I'm sitting there in a wheelchair. I have the sparkler in my hand. I'm missing out on what I really want to be doing right now, which is up there doing all the fireworks. And I get so lost in thought and stuck on this stupid sparkler that I dropped the sparkler. And I didn't really think about it. And then it burned through my pants and it burned my leg. And I was like, oh, gosh, I got to take care of this. And, you know, I, so I kind of like freaked out. I was like, oh, shit. And I tossed it. And um, I was like, I got to go in and change my pants or whatever. My mom and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, are you OK? You know, because like the funny thing about being in the wheelchair again at that age is like my mom kind of turned into this mode of like, he's a baby. I got to take <laughs> care of the baby. You know, like yeah. he's helpless, I, like a wounded bird kind of thing. Right. And I, I have to the be same fair, thing. Your mom's a sweetheart. Uh, she, she is, you know, like I love my mom. She's so great. And in fact, a lot of those wounded bird type, I want to heal you things I have, which is a real problem in relationships, by the way. But anyway, so I was just like, I was so pissed and I was so in my head. I was just like, you know what? Forget it. Like, I'm going to do this. Just let me go inside. I'm going to take care of it. So I wheeled myself in through the garage. I grabbed my crutches. I go upstairs. And I'm sitting there in my room, and I'm just, like, furious at this point. I'm, I'm mad that I burned myself. I'm mad that I'm not the guy out there doing that. And I'm mad that I'm stuck in this stupid wheelchair for so long, and I don't have any friends anymore, and I don't know, how, like, how to do anything. And that was, when, that was the moment that I threw down the crutches, and I said, F it. I'm going to walk from here out. I'm going to do it. And I did. And I walked from my room and I went down the stairs and I was in some incredible amounts of pain. But I was like, this matters to me. I need to do this. I don't want to be stuck in this anymore. I don't want to be, I essentially don't want my disease to be controlling me anymore. I want to be the leader again. And I walked down through the garage and my mom, like the garage door opens, my mom sees me. And then of course it's like, tears it's like niagara falls out in the street while there's fireworks going on it was like pew pew and tears everywhere you know but it was it was a very empowering moment it was very uh, a moment of 
of mind over matter, where I, I just pushed through the pain and I did exactly what I wanted to do. And I think that that in itself, really, those kinds of moments, you know, like the moment of, of when I left the church and the moment of when I overcame the wheelchair thing, it's just a few of those moments in your life that impact you in the long term. Oh, yeah. And I take those with me everywhere I go. And by doing that and doing those things that are super scary and you don't know what's going to happen and have the other experiences of like, this sucks if I don't do this, right? Bringing those things into, I would say, especially into leadership and into managing people is critical. It is vital because those are the things that like, they make me human. Like I'm not this this robot that just, I'm not by the book kind of a guy. It's like, I know what it is to be human. I know what it is when life shits on you. And I know what it is when you want to do something more than anything, but you can't because you're stuck, mm-hmm. right? And so when I'm leading a team, it I see that in my employees. I see the things that they are stuck on. And I see the things that they want to do that they can't do. And all of those struggles within themselves, and I like... I see that drive and that's what I want to pull out of them. So I do, my company doesn't even do these, but when I started on, I started these right away where I do one-on-ones with my employees Mm -hmm. every month. So I take them in and I, and I go over what their goals are, what this is, what that is, because I want to disarm myself. I don't want them to look at me as their boss. Mm -hmm. Like in my mind, there's two kinds of managers. There's a boss and there's a leader. The boss is the guy that comes in and he stares at the spreadsheet. He looks at your stupid time card and he gets mad at this and that <laughs> and the other thing. He's just looking at stats. Yeah. He's looking at metrics. He's looking at technically probably what the corporate world really wants him to do. Right. And I'm a leader. I, w- I, would, rather, I would rather empower them so that they give it back. Like I put all of my faith and all of my energy into them so that they give it back. And – that is like, you know, I always get the question when I'm being hired or going through the interview process. I was like, what kind of manager are you? And my, and my go-to, which is exactly like who I think I am even outside of world, outside of the corporate world, is I'm human first. So if somebody is slacking off on their job and it's really kind of like I'm noticing it, mm-hmm. then I go and I sit down and there's usually, I would say nine times out of ten, something that's going on in their actual life Absolutely. that is causing this to go down in the their work life right um and uh i kind of lost it there we went way (laughs) (laughs) where like what makes me me but i mean like that those those things is is kind of you know bits and pieces of these things that happened in my life though that was just a very that was like barely a scratch of the surface of events that i've gone through in my life that that i all take into my work life all the time Mm -hmm. um and I think that's honestly what makes you a fantastic leader is we talk to, we talk about this all the time just between you and I is you've lived like a hundred lives. <laughs> like yeah. you, yeah, you know, think of like... somebody who's done something before, <coughs> you've done it. Like, <laughs> yeah. You've uh, been through every situation imaginable um, and yeah. you can relate to literally anyone on this earth like it's like you like you mentioned um i'm kind of going off topic myself here but uh your girlfriend's mother you were talking about how you know she's had a traumatic brain injury and no one in this world can relate to her 
except you. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Because I just, I. It I, was an aha moment for her of, holy crap, he understands what I'm yeah, going through. There's somebody there you've that. Been through yeah, that. like, yeah. No, yeah. for sure. I mean, you're right. Like, that's. <clears throat> unfortunately, that is a sucky thing that I've gone through that I'm actually still going through because this right. just happened on New Year's. Um, but it, it was one of those, I think, yeah, you were the one that pointed that out. That was like, that's just another thing you can relate with people on. And it mm-hmm. was like really kind of eye opening, um, humbling in a lot of ways. Um, and that's one of the things that's kind of led me down this new journey, this new path of, of where I'm going in life outside mm-hmm. of, you know, what I do on the day to day and what I do for uh, the company I work for and what I do with my girlfriend and this and that, and the other thing is that. I've come to realize like an own personal strength is that it is that I can relate with so many people and I can share those experiences mm-hmm. and what it does for the other people. Um, like being able to sit down and humanize what people are going through. Right. Cause so yeah. many people will sit there and they're like, nobody knows what it's like to do this or nobody knows you don't know what you don't understand what I'm going through or this or that. And, and I always make it a point to not say that I, I know what they're going through. I make it a point to say I have been in similar shoes and I have some familiar feelings with what you're going through. And, and, and I understand what you're trying to like, you know, your struggles there. I've had similar struggles and mm-hmm. I can feel those. And it's that validation in them where they're like, Oh my gosh, yes, somebody else did do that. That, uh, I I've just come to understand that helping other people is probably my calling. Like, because of all the shit that I've gone through, which is a lot. (laughs) And I've noticed this all over the place with people. It it just happens. Like so many people, um, for instance, the whole wheelchair thing that was from Crohn's come to find out. So I had that since I was 15 and I'm now 34. So I have almost 20 years of experience with this illness. So, so many people around me will contact me when they find out somebody close to them just found out that they had Crohn's and they're Mm -hmm. struggling with it. They're like, Hey spider, could you reach out to this person? And I do it all the time. I'm like, Hey, you know what? I don't know you and you don't know me, but I, I have Crohn's and I've had it for a number of years and I've gone through everything you're going through right now. Like the, the shits and the constipation and the, this and then the arthritis and all that stuff like you're going through. I've totally been there and I feel you on that. What, what medications are you going through? What are you struggling with? What's the hardest thing that you're you're doing right now? And all that stuff. And I've built literally, I call us cronies. Okay. <laughs> We're cronies, okay? Like, we are a subculture of humans here with an autoimmune disease that is literally shit. Yeah. Like, that's us. And we are cronies, okay? So I call these people cronies. And I have built some awesome friendships of people with Crohn's mm-hmm. and some real connections there that I... In fact, like two of these people I'm thinking of right now, I've never even met them in person. Yeah. But like online interactions, you would have never guessed that we've never met because mm-hmm. like we're very selfless about things. Like, in fact, I, one of them, she was struggling to come up with money to pay for her medication. She's a single mom and all this stuff. And I just like immediately reached out and I was like, hey, what can I do? What 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 can I help you with? And vice versa. I remember there was a time where I got put in a wheelchair again from Crohn's for like a week or two. And she had reached out to me because I needed somebody to watch Winston, my dog, because I was just in the hospital. And and she reached out to me and was like, hey, can I take care of your dog? What can I do for Winston? You know, stuff like that. But it's like we've never met in person. Mm -hmm. 
but I think when people connect with another person on something they're really struggling with and like at their core struggling with, not like, I don't know, I got a paper cut and it's wrecking my whole day and I'm struggling with it, but like some deep core stuff that, that you really guard and put walls up around other people, but you find somebody you can be vulnerable with. Those are the connections that like, those don't go away. Like that stuff stays. They might have 8,000 friends on Facebook, but if I ever reached out to them, they know, oh, that's a real connection. Like I'm going to talk to him or whatever and vice versa. Right. Right. But yeah, we, (laughs) (laughs) we've definitely shared some, some connections over the years. And, um, one thing that I really appreciate about your friendship is, you know, you're the type of person that you can, you know, not talk to for a little while, you know, you're going through a different phase in your life and then, we pick back up and it's like we never left, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, it really is. It's like, I saw you yesterday. Right. I mean, you look much better. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the beard. Yeah, it the is the beard. the beard. I'm actually, gosh, man, you know, today bearders remorse. I shaved it this morning and I'm so pissed. <laughs> I don't know why. I just had a wild hair. Really. Yeah. But yeah, that's anyway. great. But yeah, that's, that's definitely, <clears throat> those are the kind of connections that I, I make with people. Right. And I do that in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's, it's almost weird to call them coworkers because they're like friends. Right. Because if you think about it, if you're working a nine to five, like most of us are, you spend at least 40 hours a week with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's, let's say your average commute is 30 minutes. You're lucky. Mine's like an hour, but it's fine. So your, your commute's half an hour. So okay. outside of Utah, it's pretty. Uh, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. I know. See, that's the thing is like when I was in California, my commute at one point was three hours, one direction. Oh man. So we would work an eight hour day and then there was six hours of commuting. Right. So we had like hardly any sleep. We never hung out with friends or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like that, that's what it was. So now when my commute's only an hour here, I'm like, at least it ain't three. Right. Like, I'm good to go. And then people are complaining about their 20 minute commute. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that sucks for you in your life. And, and that's, that's what it is. But I'm very grateful that my commute is only an hour. But if you think about that, uh, and in fact, most companies, you're actually working a nine hour day because they take your one hour lunch as non work time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they want you to put in the full eight hours. So let's say that you have a full nine hour work day and you have a half hour in the beginning and a half hour at the end of commute. Okay, so we're talking 10 hours of your day has just been wiped from mm-hmm. your family and those that are close to you. Okay, so if you're working the 9 to 6, you get home at 6.30. Okay, well, what time do you usually go to bed so that you can get up and get to work by 9? You're probably waking up 7.30 or 8. Okay, so if you're waking up at that time, then you're probably going to bed around maybe 10 or 11. Some of us are a little crazy and we like to go later than that. So you get home at 6.30. Let's say you go to bed at 10. You have three and a half hours with your family. That's it. In a full day, you have three and a half hours with your family. So you take that, you got five days of this, that's only 15 hours. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you burned through the same amount of time with coworkers in two days that you just got with your family in five. And then you have a Saturday and Sunday, right? Which right. obviously you get more waking time, but still the wake time, you're probably at 12 hours each day. So 24 plus another 15, what is my math? Almost 40. That's what I'm thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. it's almost 40. So... <laughs> <clears throat> when you're spending that much time with your coworkers, I hope you like them. Right. <laughs> I really hope you like them. <laughs> and when you do, and especially for, for me who I, I am, I understand that that's how it is. Mm-hmm. So 
I do try to reach out to my coworkers. I want to like where I work and I want to like who I work with. And so making those strong connections, it's like I keep those. When I leave companies, uh, there are so many people that I still talk to outside of that. And we had, we didn't even work in the same department or we did. And now we like talk all the time and we'll hang out or whatever. Cause I think making those real connections at work is vital. Oh yeah. They're like absolutely vital. And I'm a person that does that. So as a manager, I make those connections with my employees. Right. I make it so that they're comfortable and that they trust me. And in fact, one of the things that I, I find myself saying a lot now is that I work for them. I might be their boss, but I work for them. And so my one-on-ones are always like, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. What am I doing that bugs the hell out of you? I don't even care if I'm eating nuts too loud or whatever the hell it is. Like, just tell me what I'm doing that, that doesn't help you or doesn't benefit you. And let me know what I can do to help that, uh, help you out there. Right. And, uh, it's, it's kind of almost like backwards management. If you think of in the corporate world, because mm-hmm. corporate world is very much top down. Right. And it's like, if you look at me on paper, yeah, I'm above them. But when we sit there in our conversations, I'm below them. I am like supporting them. It's not me like shitting down their throats. It's me holding them up, making sure they're good, right? Making sure you guys have all the stability that you need mm-hmm. to stay here, to like your job, to love working with me. And I think that that takes me and my employees a really long way. Because Absolutely. I just think so many people are worried about the micro. Yeah. And not the macro, right? Absolutely. Like they're especially bosses. They're just mm-hmm. sitting there staring at spreadsheets, staring at your numbers, looking at your timesheet. And to me, honestly, I'm like, can we get rid of these? Like I don't even want to I don't even worry about what their time is. I don't just send it off to HR. I don't want to take care of it. Just mm-hmm. put in your plug in your hours. Just say you did every eight hours every day because I know that you come in, you do your work and you head out. Like that's cool because I don't care about all that. Like they're so hyper-focused. Bosses are just so hyper-focused on the day to day. Right. What did you do today? What are you doing tomorrow? What did you do yesterday? How much time were you here? Like all of that stuff that they're missing the whole bigger picture, the the whole macro of it. So the more that you are the boss that just micromanages people, they're much more willing to be, well, I wouldn't say willing, but people, they don't really quit good companies. They quit shitty bosses. Right. The the common phrase is, you know, people don't quit jobs. They quit bosses. There you go. Exactly. Right. And those are the kinds of bosses that people quit. Mm -hmm. And I, I realized this even more today when I, when I was talking to some employees, they were going to go do a thing later tonight. And I said, I couldn't go because I was going to be interviewing here for the the podcast. And I was, but it was like, I was like stoked to do this. Don't, don't don't downplay it. You were going to meet Robert Redford. (laughs) Okay. But like like him and some other directors. You came here to talk to me. (laughs) Yeah. See, so you should feel damn special. This is like where I want to (laughs) be. This is absolutely where I want to be. I appreciate that. (laughs) You should. But I was telling him that this is what I was going to be doing. And it was going to be an interview that, you know, kind of had to do with leadership and, and management and things like that. And uh, one of my one of my employees, she's awesome. She was like, "Yes, share that with the world, right?" And uh, this other guy who's not on my team, his boss is one of those micromanagers, mm. and he, uh, you know, he was actually at the same time he was venting about his boss. And I was like, "Oh man, you know, I wish you were under me." And he was like, "Dude, same here. I I would probably stay here longer." And when he said that. It, it just validated everything that I was just talking about, that those micromanagers, they drive people out. Right. And people that, are, that lead similar to my style, they keep people longer because I'm looking back on some of my own jobs and 
there are companies that I've worked for. There's like basically three elements to a job that I've heard from somebody. You either love what you do on the day to day, you love the company and what it stands for overall, or you love the people you're with. Pick two. Mm-hmm. That's what my old boss said to me. He's like, you get a pick two and that's it, right? So as many of those as you can fill up, you know, the people you work with or the company you work for or what you do on the day to day, if I can provide at least the people you work with, then I'm at least doing one third of the job, right? So I try to make that a big point and that does keep people, it retains them. You know, like I can't tell you how many times where I've led a team and after I've left or whatever, people drop off like flies. They're just like, oh, the new person sucks or this or that. Or they're like, I wish you were my boss still and things like that. And it's like, that makes me feel good. And I wish that I could share the same thing with other bosses. But the three people I was talking to today, the third one, which is my other employee, he was like, yeah, I think that's really awesome. You're a guy that like everybody under you loves you. And I'm sure everybody above you hates you <laughs> because I, do, I don't do things by the book and I don't do the micromanaging stuff. So if the company came down and they were looking at metrics and they were looking at a sheet of paper, mm-hmm. it doesn't look that great. I mean, I'm not going to say it, it looks horrible by any means, but if you took me versus the guy that's micromanaging everybody over there on paper, I bet he looks great. And I bet all of his employees look fantastic if he still has employees. Right. But on my side... They, on paper, it may not, might not always look so great. but in, in the micro. In the micro. That's what I'm talking about. In the macro, these people will stay here longer. Their knowledge base is more valuable than the chair that they sit in because as soon as that person leaves, let's say they've been working here for two months or, or excuse me, two years or three years or four years, the knowledge that they have of working within that company is so valuable. Like you could pull in and I was actually discussing this with them today. Another thing it was like, because I've done a lot of interviews for companies, especially tech companies. And I told them, if you get me somebody on a resume that just got out of college and they have a, we could even say a master's in software engineering or whatever the hell it is. And then you get me a guy that's worked on the job for five years. I will take the guy that worked on the job for five years every single time because he has practical real world experience. He knows how it goes within the, like within the constructs of the industry, right? Um, obviously, we're going to do a skills test, and if that guy can't write a delivery app, then, you know, okay, maybe we're not going to do him. But the point is is that those actual life practical skills are going to take you so far in life, right, where um, that the knowledge that he has, that's wisdom, right? That's wisdom. He learned that through life, through life experiences. This guy learned it from looking at a book, And then he had a final that said, I want you to make a Mario game that the guy bounces and then you get to the end and it's done. And he's like, I did it. That was my (laughs) final. And it's like, great. You learned to do what somebody told you to do. But can you sit down and can you do it in the real world? Like in our company, now you have somebody else's code that you have to work on top of that you also have to integrate your own code into. Can you do that? I don't know. We'll have to find out. Or this guy that's been doing it for five years. I take the five years every time. Because that, the wisdom that he has is invaluable. There's not a price point on it. There's not a degree that, that sits there and says, oh, this is how much he's worth. So when you're losing people left and right every six months because you're driving their buttholes into the ground <laughs> because of you're worrying about all these stupid things, all their petty levels that doesn't matter about anything, you're just shitting out wisdom all the time that you would is so much better to keep within the company because right. that's one of the biggest struggles that I've had in the past is when – Oh shit, we just lost this dude that's like 
he's been here for 10 years yeah. and we lost all of that. Now we've got a new guy. The new guy might have much better paper, you know, like a paper knowledge. We're going to put it as that. He might look great on paper. He might be a senior engineer. He might have been even be in the industry for 10 plus years, but he doesn't know how it works within our company. Mm-hmm. So ramping him up is going to take like six months until he yeah. like figures it all out. Right. So I think that's, one thing that a lot of managers, bosses, leaders don't think about. Yeah. It's hard to put in paper, um, but yeah, it's one of those things. It's cheaper to keep an employee than it is to hire a new employee. Right. Yeah. In the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if you look at the look at the micro, it's oh, this guy's making five thousand dollars a year less. So great, we're increasing the bottom line. Right. But uh, <laughs> so in in another life of mine, um, so I, I've been around a lot of entrepreneurship uh, opportunities. But at one point, it's like, you know what? I need the health insurance. Um, and I started working at Best Buy and started doing, you know, the retail thing. Originally, it was just a just a job, yeah. just something to get by. But it's yeah. like, you know what? It's pretty easy to scale up the corporate ladder here. So I I decided, I'm like, all right, I'm going to put my effort into this. I'm going to go up this. I'm going to scale this corporate ladder. I'll be a general manager of a store in, like, three years, you know. Yeah. Like, I remember when you worked for Best Buy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> anyway, um, and I'd look to these, to these uh, leaders that I admired, and it's like, three months in a row of fantastic sales and everything's going up 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 and they're just like the golden child one bad month and they're like on the hot seat about to be fired like holy cow it's like this is the corporate structure that i would be dealing with i would always have have to be like have a fire under me to perform on every day and that that instantly turned me off. I'm like, this isn't for me. Yeah. If I'm going to have that fire under me, it's going to be for me. It's not because some guy's looking at a sheet and <laughs> saying, oh, your performance plans, sales were down by 2% this month. Right. You should die now. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I was actually thinking about that. I think on the drive over here. Um, just because I was, uh, it's not often that I think about leadership, but um, in the context, I was like, ah, oh, I should, you know, let's reflect on this a bit. And I was thinking about the differences between, you know, bosses and leaders and, mm-hmm. and what you're discussing right now. It is exactly what I was thinking of because, like, there's, there's kind of two ways to lead a team. Well, there's a lot of ways to lead a team, but there's two main ones that I'm thinking of. Um, and one of them is you lead through fear which is what you were just discussing right. with, with Best Buy, where it's like, oh, shit, if I do horrible, my ass is grass. And I've got to do better. i got to, like, you know, you're sweating the bullets. Or, you know, there's there's fear and then there's love. And I am more of the love side, where it's like, okay, we are struggling. What can we do about it? You know, our numbers aren't looking so great. What what are some ideas? Like, let's generate some ideas. In fact, uh, I just had my one-on-ones with my employees yesterday. Mm-hmm. And one of the points that I, I made during it is I asked them both, you know, what are some areas that you can pinpoint where we could 
work on some efficiencies here? Like, where do you where do you see us like slacking just as a team and not necessarily as our company as a whole? Because this is what I said. I was like, as a whole. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You don't even have to think about that. There's a million out there. There's a right. lot of inefficiencies that we could work on, but we can't change all of those. So within our just our small team here, what are some inefficiencies that you could pinpoint? Um, and and I think that's a, a very contrasting there because, like I said, I lead with love. Like, so when I know a buddy, he's, you know, he had to leave. I say a buddy and he's literally my employee that works for me. <laughs> See, like, that's what I'm talking about. You know, it's like, uh, I don't think of him as coworkers or my employees are just like people. And he had to leave the other day because uh, he manages a duplex. Um, you know, he bought one and then he rents it out and their like water heater went out. And since he's the landlord, he had to go get another one or whatever. I was like, yeah, dude, just go for it, whatever. And I just did a, a quick touch base on like, okay, so we have this project and this project. They're going to be due tomorrow. Um, where are you at with those? Um, and he's like, you know what? This one I already finished and this one I'm almost done. But after the water heater thing, I'll just finish it at home. And I was like, cool, great. Left it at that, right? I'm not like, oh my gosh, you got to stay here and worry right. about the water heater later, right? And I think having those human experiences are, are what I would define as love versus like the fear. Like right. I do, that's the last thing. There's this guy tangenting here. I tangent a lot. I apologize, but it's all right. It's uh, we'll I can't remember. You. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Tangents, I think was actually a nickname of mine at one point in my life, but uh, the guy's name is Randy Pausch and I can't remember the name of his talk, but it was super powerful. So this guy, it's a heartbreaking story. He, he passed away from cancer and he had a family and all that stuff and he was a teacher, but he was like, he was so human, so human. And this, this speech, it's like the last speech that he gave was just incredible and it was empowering. And one of the things that he brought up, and this I take with me everywhere, all the time, and every day I think about this, is he got this brand new convertible it wasn't a Corvette, but it was like this, just this brand new shiny red car. Totally. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a bachelor at the time. So this was like hot rod style, right? He was stoked out of his mind and he got it and he pulled up to his sister's house cause he was going to take his niece and nephew to, uh, I want to say it was Disneyland or something like that. It was an amusement park of some kind. So it was just going to be like uncle niece and nephew date kind of a right. thing. So he pulls up and his, his sister is like freaking out. Oh my gosh, look at this car. It's beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I know. It's a great, I just bought it. You know, it's brand new. I literally got it like two days ago. Anyway, so she's kind of freaking out. She's like, well, what about the kids? Like they'll get messy in the backseat. He's like, I don't care. It's, it's no big deal. Just put them back there and we'll, we'll head out. So they go to the amusement park, come to find out little girl gets sick and uh, they're driving. He, he heads back home. And I might have this backwards, but regardless, this is still the scenario that happened. The little girl throws up in the back seat of the car. So he pulls up. His sister sees that she threw up all over the back seat, and she's freaking out. His sister is freaking out. It's like, oh, my gosh, she just puked everywhere. And she's, like, mad at her daughter for, for puking in his back seat. And he was like, I don't remember her name, but for context here and for flair, I'm going to say he was like, you know what, Karen? It doesn't even matter. He grabs a can of Coke. He opens it up, and he dumps it in the back seat. Brand new, brand new car. He dumps a can of Coke everywhere on top of the throw up. And he was like, the point is not about the car. It's the point is about making sure that she is okay, that she is not traumatized by the fact that she threw up in my car, that it's okay because I don't care. It's not a big deal. It's just a car. And he dumped the can of Coke in it, you know? And I remember this because for a while after that, I was always like, it's a can of Coke. 
like petty things happen. In fact, I'm not necessarily a car guy, but I still love the cars that I drive. Mm -hmm. And I hate door dings and things like that. But at the same time, it's kind of no sweat. It's like I have a scratch on my car. Who cares? whoop de doo doesn't matter. But I want to make sure that, you know, like, for instance, this happened kind of recently. Um, a girl that I was dating or was with, uh, she scratched my car at one point. And I was like, oh, that sucks. And I scratched it myself. I was hmm. like, who cares? Like, because she, she was like kind of having this like meltdown thing of like, oh, my gosh, I scratched your car. I'll get it repainted. Da, 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 da. And I was like, honestly, I don't give a shit. It's just a car. And all you did was scratch it. Is my car broken? Can I not drive it anymore? It still functions. Everything's fine. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. And it's kind of the same thing I feel like with employees. I don't want them to be worried. I don't want them to think that when a life event happens that they are worried about their job. I want the job to be the last thing that they are thinking about. So I want to create that environment with them so that they feel comfortable that like, if, for instance, their dog gets sick and it's throwing up everywhere, they're not sitting at home worrying about, oh, my gosh, what do I do with my dog? I got to go to work. Da, 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 da. It's like take care of what you got to do. Right. And, and they say that a lot. You know, they'll text. They'll send me a text and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm sick. I can't come into work or or I'm going to be a little late. Uh, I got to take care of this or whatever. And I'm like, just do what you got to do. Do you let me know how it goes later. Handle all of that, then come talk to me, and then we'll figure out the work stuff if you need to take sick time off or whatever. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter, but I, I want to implement the same thing that, like, Randy did. It's like, who cares? I don't want you to worry. That's all I care about. It's I a don't can want of Coke. Yeah, it's a can of Coke. Exactly. <laughs> um, that. So we, going back a little bit from where you, where you are now, we did yeah. end up – kind of dabbling in the entrepreneurship uh yeah. together a little yes. bit yes <coughs> oh yeah yeah so we did <laughs> excuse me um <laughs> we did uh some video production together oh, um you're getting to the legit stuff oh well, <laughs> do you want to go back oh we can the, go oh, deeper man. my friend we can go way back we can so, go like 15 years back to some of the great so we started gyms. a band <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah Anyway, the band was no. great. <laughs> still good memories there. Yeah, um, still. Aside from the fact that I have no musical talent or ability, I was still in the band. But Same. Anyway. It's fine. No, you've, you've, got, <laughs> you've got some musical ability. Um, oh, man. But uh, I'm just... Okay. I thought I screwed something up. Oh, <laughs> um. But yeah, going back to uh, when we did some video production together, those yeah. those were awesome times, but then also there's a lot of harsh realities with that as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and looking back at it, uh, you really took the uh, the majority of the actual work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nope, that's kind of what it was. I was like, he was the equipment guy. He was the... You know, the back-end guy, and I was, like, the grunt. I was yeah. a peasant. I had to do all this stuff. But it was, like, I think that was actually, honestly, it was really good. Like, our dynamic, I feel, in general, are really good for a company because I'm, like, a squirrel and a creative squirrel. I'm a squirrel with a paintbrush, okay? So I'm going to create something, and it doesn't always make sense, but it's very much out of the box, and you're the guy that keeps it in the box. You're the guy that takes that and figures out how to make it work in the box, like, that's what you did. You were great with, like, 
I mean, I, you know, since it was a video production company, I was always like, okay, we need this kind of a shot. This is like what we're looking for. This is the framing that we're looking at. And I would hand you a camera and be like, okay, how do you do that? And then you would set up the camera like, okay, this is the lighting we need. Da, 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 da. You would like get all of the settings set in the camera and then you'd hand it back to me. I'm like, okay, and here we go. I have no idea what settings this is on, but this is what we're doing. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like, that's how it was. And that was really good because you knew the logistics of everything. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I want to be an astronaut. And you're like, okay, this is a rocket ship and this is a suit and you got to put those on. And I'm like, to the moon. <laughs> That's like what it was. You did yeah. everything to like get to where we wanted to go. And I just said, that's where we're going. Yeah. That's, I, th I feel like that was really good. Yeah. Well, in general, I feel like we have a really good dynamic like it, that. It was, it was a fun time. Um, it was. I, I wish it would have, uh, would have continued, but yeah. that was, it was a good learning experience. It was. And I think, yeah, uh, you can take that experience and your current leadership experience and move that into what you're going to next. Yeah. So you're still planning to be in the corporate world and yep. whatnot, but yep. you are planning to start your own podcast. Yes. Uh, and I don't know how much you can talk about that, <laughs> but uh, there there is legal reasons for <laughs> oh. for why you can't explain everything. Yeah. But yeah. Um, can you give us a little bit of insight into what, um, how those two aspects of the entrepreneurship world to the entrepreneurship world and what, how that's going to drive your, your future? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I do think that, like you said, that experience with the video production company was pretty vital mm -hmm. and that is definitely the learning points of that are where I'm going now. At the time, the interesting thing, one major 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 takeaway from that is we started into that at least for me because that was something i loved doing i right. loved editing video i loved creating videos and what better thing to do than than make a video of people in love so we're, we're doing wedding videos and mm -hmm. things like that so it was like these beautiful pieces of art the problem with that <laughs> is i worked for somebody else we were working for the bride and groom we were doing things that they needed to do that they wanted to do and if if you know the the creativity or the the ideas that we had weren't aligned with theirs well we had to lop them off right we're like okay we can't do that this is what they want this is what we have to do mm -hmm. so it turned this passion hobby into okay i'm a slave to these people right and i'm saying that dramatically it wasn't really like that but but that's that's kind of where you're where my mindset was right and so with this new venture, it's like, okay, don't do that again. Don't, don't be reliant on other people for this to have to go a certain way, right? Right. And so this podcast is actually a passion project of okay. mine. And the best thing about that is that it's driven only by me. Yeah. So if I don't do it, it doesn't go anywhere. And it's only as successful as my own drive. So if I'm going to go somewhere <laughs> if i'm going to really drive it and make it succeed then that's on me 100 percent on me right and all the creativity goes there so um it's only successful as i'm going to make it or allow it right and i'm not i'm no longer relying on somebody else in any way shape or form um in fact that's another thing that i have already agreed with this project it doesn't matter if it's successful and successful is only 
determined by my own definition of it, right? If I go out there and I do one of these and one person, just I just want one person to come back and say that it impacted them or it changed them in one way or another, it's successful. I could end right there with that one thing and it's good to go. I'm not using this to drive an income. I'm not using this to get the likes or the shares or the comments or any of that stuff. In fact, yep. like I think it was Australia recently that had just gotten rid of the likes on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can't like anything. You can comment, you can share, but there's no more likes. And I love that. Oh my God, I love that. I love that so much. I wish every platform everywhere would get rid of the likes because it does a lot of things. A lot of people use the likes as a measurement. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll post something out and they're like, oh, it only got six likes. I guess nobody liked it. And then they'll post something else. Oh, I got like 150 likes. Oh my gosh, I'm doing great. I just need to do more of that. And it's almost like they're missing the magic of it, right? right. Like I feel so many times people are chasing the likes and they're not chasing themselves, mm-hmm. right? And I, I feel like if people, if there was no measurement of likes, then people would just put out the content that they wanted to put out. Right. Right. You would you would get the most authentic version of that person. Or it could be the flip side. They're so worried about their content that they're never gonna post or they only post things that are like really skewed in a certain way. But I still feel like it would really kind of humanize a lot of people. Yeah. And the other thing that I actually picked up from Gary Vee, uh, that I loved so much that he said he said and this is very evident and very obvious on so many pages that I follow. Even like small time people, not just celebrities, which celebrities I understand they don't have to, they don't have the time to do all this stuff. But small time artists and things like that, they'll post something, they'll get all these likes, they'll get a bunch of comments, and they don't do anything. They don't react to the comments. They right. don't reply. They don't do anything. So they so they drop this conversation piece. Everybody interacts with it, and they look over the wall every now and then, and they don't do anything. They don't interact with their audience right and i think the whole getting rid of the likes thing is genius because that's the only way that they're going to be able to connect to anybody their their only measurement is is going to be 100 percent fueled on comments now not likes Mm -hmm. and so if you want those comments to keep coming you can't just start a discussion and check out immediately right you got to keep that going get into the comments start diving into what people are doing and that's kind of like a big part of what i'm doing now is i'm not going to be worried about that I'm not going to wonder how many followers I have or how many likes I have or how many comments I have. Sure, that's a, in, in some form that is a great measurement tool, but it's not something I'm going for. Right. Like I want very similar to like what we're doing here. I, like I want real conversations with people. And if I can have those, then I'm good. Yeah. Like that fills up my little meter. There's a meter of like happiness inside of me that just goes boop, 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 boop. Anytime I get to have these like real conversations about real stuff. And – that's all I'm going for. So it's like more of a passion project. Mm-hmm. But I also take the skills that I have as a leader where I'm human. I don't, I, I don't want to go into this thinking like I know everything. I want to learn stuff as much as other people do. Yeah. And one of my bosses at one point, and this is also stuck with me forever. This guy was like, uh, we're going on seven years ago, I think, that he was my boss. And we had this mentorship program and it was only leadership. So, and it went from middle manager, top manager to execs. Every, every leader within this company, within our office, I should say, they would all meet uh, once a month. Maybe it was twice a month. I think it was twice a month 
we'd meet and we'd get together and it was like a knowledge dump. We would just dump all over each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, <laughs> so we would, we would get together and we would talk about struggles that either we're going through and we want some input on like, Hey, has anybody else gone through this? What did you do to get right. through it? Um, or we would be like, okay, this is a huge success. I came across this thing and never happened to me before. And this is how I took care of it. And I'd be like, Oh, that's awesome. Like write down some notes kind of thing. It was awesome. I loved that thing. And my boss never showed up to it like ever. Mm. And I invited him I, and I had been begging him cause everybody was like, Hey man, where's uh, we'll say Mr. X. And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, he's too busy. Uh, he's, he keeps saying that he's going to come, but he doesn't. Finally he did come. He finally showed up once, and this was like three or four months after me begging him to come. Right. He finally came, and he sat in the op- in that room on his phone for like over half the meeting. And he was just staring at his phone doing I don't know what. Well, sometimes this meeting can get a little heated because people are like, well, I did this, and they're like, that's against company policy. You need to do this, blah, blah, blah. You know, or they fight over the resolution of how they should have gone about things or or that people aren't understanding what they're going through kinds of stuff, right? right? Well, anyway, a heated argument was kind of going back and forth between these two other managers. And one of them came over and he was like, well, what do you think, Mr. X? Like, you're just not even paying attention. And he looks up from his phone and he's like, that's because I already know everything. And he went right back to his phone. <laughs> and it was at that moment that I realized I don't have a leader. Yeah. I barely have a boss because he thinks he already knows everything. And if you're you a think, teenager. Yes. And if you think you already know everything, you have lost. Like you right. are a person that you're not growing at all. And nobody is ever at 100%. There's, there's always things that you can learn about every freaking topic. There's always mm-hmm. things that you can learn about yourself. And you're with yourself 24-7. Like if anything, there's nothing that you should know more about than yourself. And yet every single day, I guarantee every person on this planet can learn something more about themselves. Absolutely. And that's where I'm going with this new venture is I don't know everything. I will never claim to know everything. And I don't think the people that I would ever bring into this would know everything. But I want real conversations with real humans about real things that we think we know a lot about. Mm -hmm. But we also don't. We want to learn. And that's kind of all-encompassing of not only sorry I keep hitting that not only like my life and what I've gone through but also on the business end and what I've learned in the corporate world and how to manage teams and how to be human with people how to like retain people Mm -hmm. and retain those connections it's all kind of meshed into this thing like honestly it's like the weirdest thing to say right here but it feels like my calling this honestly feels like more than anything I've ever done this is what I'm made to do. This is me. So you need to, you need to run with that. When you get that yeah. feeling like this is Absolutely. what I need to do, yes. do it. That's where I'm at. It's like, so now I'm just like hustling my butt off here. I'm like, okay, how do I do this? Okay, because now, because this is the funny thing. This is why I say you're so freaking great for me because I don't know how to get there. I know what I want to do and I know how like that kind of process goes. But I was like, equipment? I don't know. Like, what programs do I use? I don't know. I just know what I want to do and I know how to do it. Right. But how to get all of the back end stuff, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Squirrel. <laughs> you know, like I just have no idea how to do that. But that's Well that that's part you know of the I mean? re- part of the way I was able to lure you here today was 
I told you I had a portable podcasting set. <laughs> it's like, true. Oh, and I was like, yeah, well, yeah, let's take a look. <laughs> <laughs> you liar. You lied to me. Look at this. We're strapped to a desk. You can't take this anywhere. You can take it to any desk. I don't believe if, you. If you've watched the videos, which <laughs> this is available on video format as well. Now? Well. It will. No, yes. As we're recording this, none of the, my podcast has been posted yet. Oh. I wanted to get yeah. some you gotta get some before. Going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to front load it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. You can erase that plug. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you watch the video, you'll notice that every single time I've done this podcast, it's been in a different location. Mm. So it's not like some, you know, this is battery powered. So I can take it anywhere. I don't have to plug it into anything. I can go wherever I need to. These are all powered off of that. So it is completely portable. <laughs> see, I'm already taking notes. I already got the pricing down. I'm like, okay, yes. all right, Amazon. Yeah. I see you, Amazon. You're not oh, the first person you. to ask me today, how much does your podcasting setup uh, cost all in? Really? So, yeah. Are they going to do their own? I don't know. That's mm. that's a good question. But Maybe uh, we need to, like, try for us. Touch tips, all three of us. No. We'll get it. We'll get no. it going. <laughs> Let's go with the Just triangle kidding. aspect. Oh yeah, of triangle. The hustle energy Not tips. triangle. Got you know? it. Yeah, yep. triangle. Three sides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Triforce. Okay. But uh, speaking of uh, touching tips, uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of your working working uh, titles for your podcast was yes, just the tips. Just the tips. I I <laughs> loved that idea. I was so like jazzed about that only to find out it's been taken like a million times over right. like so many it's like just the tips just the tips by job just the tips by sarah just the tips with whoever there is literally i swear to crap there was like 10 different titles that all had just the tips in it and i was like that's saturated we're not gonna go there yeah we're gonna come up with something else yeah that would have been great but but i like what you've you've come up with now so yeah yeah, that's good. Um, we'll for sure make sure to put all the information on the podcast when it does come out and make Thank sure you. to help you, you out in any way that I can. Likewise, likewise. Um, <coughs> so one thing that I like to throw out to people to kind of throw them off, but a question. Good luck. <coughs> I'm on my toes. I'm like a boxer. Uh, one question I always ask people is you pull up the dictionary Spider O'Neill's the entry in there. What does it say? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you know that's not what great. you did today because you're Crohn's. But <laughs> that's a, yeah, exactly. Actually, you know what? That that works on many levels. Yeah. Um, that's a really great question. Man, uh, you know that's a really hard one for me because, like we said, you've you know, lived a million lives. That's like you, that's exactly you, what I'm talking about, and you know. This is another, this is like a new thing that I've been thinking of recently, this this new concept. So everyone, you know, there's this saying around that's always like, be yourself, right? Okay, well, what is yourself? Yourself is like, literally, there's three, uh, as a Japanese saying goes, there's three of you. There's one that you show the world, one that you show those close to you, and one that you show yourself, right? So... And I feel like that applies to everybody. I like to say I'm the same person everywhere I go. 
I think a lot of people would almost agree with that, but yeah. there's still, there's differences here right. and there, right? Um, I'd say you're the same, but there's nuances. Yes, yeah. right, right. I mean, like, work me is kind of close. Um, but as, as the more I've thought about that, and even outside of just those kinds of three aspects of who you are, I, I take that and I make it four-dimensional. So we have those three sides of you, and you think about how that is, but those three sides over time and how varied that each of those three are of myself as I go back. So my new thing here that I'm like spinning around in my head that I really like that, that makes sense to me, but a little difficult to say is be yourselves. Okay. Because I think a lot of times people really struggle with all three of those, you know, all three of those aspects of who they are. And, you know, our, our brains always think, in the past they speak in the past and speaks in the future but our mouths always speak in the present and part of being yourself yourselves is connecting all three of those so the past self of who you are you're accepting that you're being that person the future of who you are you don't know but you kind of have an idea of where you want that person to be be that person as well and being in the present right you don't want to you don't want to look so far in the past and so far in the future that you're missing everything in the present but accepting all of those because, I mean, man, <laughs> I really have lived a lot of lives. And, you know, I went through the whole Burning Man phase where I was a burner. And then I went through the, the Dragon Con thing where I was doing all the cosplay stuff. And then I was, you know, I was living in Louisiana. I was living here. I was doing this. I was traveling Sacramento. there. Sacramento. Yeah, I was living in Sacramento. And, like, even sometimes I've picked up other accents because I was somewhere for so long. And, and you know, I went through a lot of life struggles. And then I went through, you know, the wheelchair and, and this and that. You've like, actively avoided your birthday by being on a flight. So you completely <laughs> missed your yeah, birthday. Actually, you know, that is a great story. And I love that story. Uh, yeah, I hate my birthday so bad. And and I think that was like the easiest that was a, way to That's a very creative way to, to do that. <laughs> yeah, so for those that don't know, my 25th birthday was coming up, and I've hated my birthday for as long as I can remember. I just don't like it. And um, so I always try to avoid it. And probably about when I was like 19, I want to say, maybe 20, uh, I was probably 20 or 21, I started this tradition of myself. So when my birthday comes, I always leave town, I fly somewhere. Usually I like to fly to somewhere that I've never been before mm-hmm. um, so that I get to experience my birthday outside of home. I don't have any obligations. I don't have to do the birthday presents. I don't have to do any of that garbage. I just get to do me, be me somewhere new, yeah. right? I get a, a new experience. And so my 25th birthday was coming up, and I'm like, quarter of a century. Oh, my God, I'm so old. And I look back now, and I'm like, you idiot. You're 25. <laughs> Nobody even takes you serious. It's 25. Freak out. <laughs> um, but it was like a big deal, and I was like – I've got an idea. Lightning struck my brain. And I wanted to go to a new, another country. And I'd been to Canada before and, and Mexico and all those places. Sure, there are different countries, but it doesn't feel the same, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so there were two, com- two countries that I wanted to go for since I was a kid that I always wanted to do. And, in fact, this was part of a time capsule. Man, so many tangents. But there was a time capsule that I made in fourth grade that I opened up when I was 18 and I went through the list of all the things that that little dude wanted to do mm-hmm. when he was in fourth grade. And I did all of them. Like, nice. like he, when he, when he said that what he wanted to be when he grew up, he was said an actor. So I literally tried being an actor when I was like, uh, 19 or 20, maybe it was 18. 
And I went through the whole acting thing and I was like, yeah, that wasn't for me. But at least I could look back if I ever met my little fourth grade self and be like, yo, bro, we tried that. <laughs> Bomb. <laughs> Not for you, bro. But hey, we did it. You, yeah. We did it. Right. And so because I it was such a weird thing, but I, I would have felt guilty if I had met my former self. And he said, hey, did you get that car we wanted? Because thankfully he didn't want a Lamborghini. He wanted a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Literally, that's what it said in fourth grade. So I was like, cool. He was real. He wasn't like. I want a stretch limo of a Corvette. Okay, you know so what I, I, mean? I still haven't gotten my Ferraris. So. <laughs> See, you were a fool. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, I would have felt guilty if, if my little former self said, hey, why didn't you do this? This is something you wanted to do. Why didn't you do it? And I would have no excuses. So I did everything on that list. And one of the things on that list was go to Japan or Australia. And that was fourth grade. Fourth grade, I wanted to go to these two countries. So I was like, ah, turning 25, quarter century, this is a big, this is a monumental thing. But the great thing about both of those countries is they cross the international date line, which could potentially skip the day of my birth. Yep. And that's what I did. So I flipped the coin. It ended up as Australia. I paid out the butt for a very specific ticket. So my birthday is on the 19th of a certain month. So I was in L.A. on the 18th, and this was the night of the 18th. So because technically if you flew out in the morning of the 18th, you would still land in the birthday. So I flew out late at night on the 18th, and I crossed the international date line so that when I landed in Sydney, Australia, it was the 20th. I missed the day completely. I was not in a space of the world that had recognized my birthday. And it was the best (laughs) birthday of my life. It was so great. I loved it so much. (laughs) <laughs> so that's been like a, a tradition, which coming back, like uh, that tradition, uh, it's easiest for me to just tell people I hate my birthday and that's why I leave town. But the truth is I love my birthday because that is my tradition, that I get to go somewhere new and I get to experience something new that i never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And I usually do these things alone. And because that is like a sense of vulnerability that's also very empowering. Like I go somewhere I've never been and how many people have done that? A lot. How many people have done that alone? A lot. How many people have done that alone and like thrived and succeeded and like loved it and they weren't like sitting in their hotel room like afraid of going outside? You know what I mean? Like I live in, I live for those moments. So Mm -hmm. I do that on my birthday and I love my birthday because of that. But I just tell everybody I hate it. But you have no idea. It's the best day in the world. (laughs) I love it. But. Man, that is some. A long that tangent insight. <laughs> no, that that's a really cool story though. Like when you did that, I was like, oh, man, that's so awesome for you, like, genius. Yeah, <laughs> not what I would want to do, but for you, that's that's right. Awesome. I, yeah, I don't like the idea of sitting on a plane for oh, twenty hours. Okay, you know? you know what? That's where I watched Avatar for the first time. You know that three-hour blue people movie? First time <laughs> I saw it was on that plane to Australia that's on this little people. teeny tiny screen, yeah. and I was like, this is amazing. It looked good, sounded good. It's really kind of a stupid story, but that's beside the point. But <laughs> I mean, like, I kind of look back on these things that I did, and it's like it's so hard to. Um, I mean, even even as I kind of touched on earlier, like I look at myself every day, and I change all the time, like physically, mentally, everywhere. I mean, now I'm covered in so many tattoos, I don't even how many how many I have, and I'm even lasering some off right now. So like, I feel like I've evolved and I've changed heavily over mm-hmm. my life. In fact, a funny thing that that just recently happened. So I went through a divorce not too long ago and I started dating again later, a few months later. Well, several months later. And 
my ex-wife was like pissed that I was dating again. Even though my ex-wife went on a date like three weeks after we divorced, that's fine. doesn't matter. <laughs> Several months later, I started dating somebody. And my ex-wife started going after this girl that I'm dating. And one of the things she said in there, and I just like laughed. She was like, I guess as a way, I don't know why she said this, but she said it. And she was like, oh, by the way, spider's goth. I hope you know that. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she, but she genuinely felt like I was goth. And I was like, we were married. Like we were together for a long time. Like, where did you come up with that? I was goth. Like I have a I, lot of black clothes. Yeah, but I never like that's <laughs> right. No, that's not you. <clears throat> but you know, sorry. That was right in the mic. Um, but there's like, you know, I have, I like skeletons and stuff like that. And I wear a lot of black during that time, but it was like goth. Like, that's interesting that, that she would think that I was goth and she genuinely meant it. Like she was almost trying to insult the other person because she didn't think a goth was her type. And it's, it's funny because it made me think about like what other people who knew me at certain periods of my life would think like, they're like, oh, well, spider is this spider is that. And I think I could interview probably a thousand people and they would all have a different answer. Yeah. And so <laughs> if you pulled up a dictionary and you saw my name in there or an encyclopedia and that's what my name was, I don't know what you'd put there. <laughs> There's it like, it would say, be yourself, be yourselves. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> so that's the definition of me. It's be yourself <laughs> because there's a lot of you out there. And I feel like this kind of translates also in the relationship sense and in the corporate sense. I, I think it's great that, you know, if you have worked with somebody and they're working in a new place and they want you to work there, um, you know, they'll give you a referral or whatever. I think that's great for a lot of people. And I think that's wonderful. I don't particularly like that <clears throat> because I feel like if I can dive into a company head first, I'm the only person there that I know, I get a B who I am in the present. The person that used to work with me or used to know me or, or whatever it is, I'm not saying they used to, they, they do know me, but they right. have a history. They already have a kind of a preconceived idea of who I am and what my skills are. But when I go to somewhere fresh and they're getting all brand skipping new plastic just ripped off of me, you get the brand new spider, like that's it. This is what you get. I thrive much more in that scenario because there isn't, some sort of preconceived idea of who I am or what my skills are. They mm -hmm. just get me and my skills as they are. And I feel that way even in relationships where I don't like to date people I've known. I just broke this rule very recently. It's the <laughs> only person I've broken the rule with. But, but I never, it's like if I'm friends with somebody for a certain amount of time, then it's like I'll never date you because now you have an idea of who you think I am, mm -hmm. but you don't know who I am right now. Because people change all the time. Right. And I know a lot of people are like, how ah, people never change. It's like, okay, well, so you don't think that you ever change? So you think that like who you were when you were 20 is still who you are at 30? You can't seriously think that of, of yourself. But a lot of people kind of hold on to those, those ideas. Right. And so often. Myself included. Right. About myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, see, but you have changed. You've changed a shizload. Like <laughs> since I've known you like back in high school when we were ditching school in your S2000 to go play never, Tony Hawk. Never happened. <laughs> <laughs> not once, not never. You heard it not here. <laughs> it never happened. Um, but, you know, like I, I feel like that's one thing that kind of uh, it separates me. Yeah. Um, and I want, I wish so many more people would do the same 
because it's a very eye-opening experience because I I feel like people would un- understand themselves and how much more that they change by being in those kinds of environments. By you're in the deep end and you're butt naked and you don't know how to swim and you have no floaties. Sink or swim. Make it happen, right? And that like internal kind of almost like a fear-driven thing. Like you really got to like buckle down and nail this. Get it, right? That's like a hustle that happens to me that I just can't get enough of. Like when things are down to the wire and it's like, bro, nobody's going to bail you out. Nobody knows you. You got to do it, right? Like, ugh. I love that. I love that so much. And like I really do, I do so much better because you almost get comfortable with people. Like Mm -hmm. if if you've known them forever or if you've worked with them forever, you kind of get a little lazy and you get a little comfortable and you're like, eh, well, you know. I can do it. He'll let it slide or whatever, right? But when you are the new guy and they just cut all the plastic off you, took the stickers and put in the batteries, you got to do it, right? You don't you don't have any fallback there. Right. You don't have any, oh, you know, Jason, can you cover for me? You know, you know what happens, dude. No. Like, I, I don't know why, but that hustle is like. When, mm. when you're uncomfortable is when you're growing. Yes, exactly. And that other aspect is being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Right. right like and that's something that my whole life i have not been comfortable <laughs> with the uncomfortable oh i but know the last, the last couple of years i've been pushing that on myself like doing this podcast totally uncomfortable for me which is good but <laughs> excuse me uh, but i know it's going to benefit me and i'm the first person to admit this the podcast is selfish for me because it's like i need to learn from people who are who are out there hustling so I know better how to do that myself. Right, like, right, yeah. So, I mean, I appreciate your your perspective on all this, and uh, <laughs> it's, 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 even though, you know, we, we know each other. Yeah. It's still uncomfortable <laughs> just because of the format, you know. But right, we've yeah. Got we've never sat in down. in front of our faces, yes, exactly. you know, yeah. We've never interviewed each other or sat down and done this. For <laughs> right. But uh, so the previous podcast I just recorded with uh, Glenn Lovelace, he talks about, you know, progress. Tony Robbins quote of progress is happiness. And he create he changed it to progress creates happiness. Yeah. And I mean, th- that's kind of what you're describing is, you know, you you change for the better. I mean, yeah. you if you're progressing, you're changing for the better. But even if your 20 year old self and 30 year old self you think is the same you've changed but you may not have progressed and yeah. you may not be happy with where you are it's 100 percent. you're you're being thrown into these situations where you have to perform where you have to progress and that gets you excited yeah it's creating your happiness yes. so yeah. it drives yeah. the hustle right absolutely yeah. absolutely like I, I love that stuff i think it's great and one thing that you you commented you're like you know i'm kind of doing this selfishly like so i can learn i think that's uh, a very humbling thing to say because a lot of people don't admit that, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll be the first to admit I have no no business being on this side <laughs> of the microphone. Like, <laughs> no, I think you're great. It's awesome. I think it's it's cool, and it's like I, I see that so many in so many professions where uh, you know what's what's interesting actually. Uh, if you look at psychiatrists or therapists or or a lot of doctors in in specialty fields, they do it because they either struggled with it themselves or somebody right. close with them did. And they 
it was out of like that thirst for knowledge. They wanted to know how to fix this or how to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like you're, you're sitting here talking to people so that you're like, how can I do this? How can I apply it to myself? Right. right? And I think that's a big, a big thing that a lot of podcasters kind of miss. Right. It, it, they almost, it's, it's like they're up on a pedestal speaking to other people right? when they don't understand that it's same, same field, right? We're all people yep. and nobody's an expert in anything. Yeah. So I think that's really awesome of you. And that, that's like one of the things that I've driven on myself even is like, dude, you might know a lot about a lot of things, but you don't know anything. Right. And so having these kinds of conversations is like just as beneficial to the person in that seat as it is on the person in yeah. this seat. So I think that's like you sold me just by saying that. I was like, yes, <laughs> that's these are the people like I like to connect with for yeah. sure. So yeah. and and all, yeah, speaking of knowledge, I know very little. I can tell you a lot about cars. <laughs> yeah, you know more about cars than I do. In fact, you literally basically walked me through the sale of the car that I have outside now. Like I wouldn't have gotten that car if it weren't for you. Seriously, not kidding. <laughs> yeah, that was that was also a different issue of. <laughs> Your your mental Brain state injury. Was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. was a little bit different. So yeah, but still. Uh, anyway, um, this is this has honestly been awesome. Like we yeah. we need to connect like this more often. And I when agree. you do get your podcast going, I hope I can not necessarily be a guest, but because oh, I know you'll be you're doing guest. I know you're doing <laughs> this mostly solo. But it's yeah, I want to be there to help you in any way that I can because yeah. um, like I said, the the podcast for me, the Hustle Today podcast is beneficial for me and i want to see give you every tool possible so that your podcast is beneficial for you which then gets spread out to other people so you can fulfill your mission my hustle you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) for sure no i agree yeah thanks man it's been it's been awesome yeah this is good this is fun i appreciate it it so you know, yes, like absolutely. a spider part two later. <laughs> Maybe I don't Dude. get so wordy and so tangenty. I got to <laughs> corral the squirrel with the paintbrush. As, as we talked <laughs> about. Take my, the paintbrush away. <laughs> as we talked about on my recorder before we started, we had 218 hours to record mm-hmm. and that's it. And you're, <laughs> it's not enough. Like, that's not enough to go through the, the story of spider. Seriously, it's not. <laughs> but uh, so we don't have uh, um, social media channels for you to follow quite yet for your your podcast but where yeah. where can people find you now um well you can find me on instagram as spider with a y s-b-y-d-e-r underscore zero um but actually yeah yeah that's they, where you can find me yeah. find me on instagram because i want to be honest like facebook is kind of annoying if you ever find me on linkedin i will punch you in the face i hate <laughs> linkedin i don't like snapchat i'm just an instagram guy yeah. like simple stuff but Show me pictures and videos. Your uh, your stories are just <laughs> amazing. Before we get too far of a tan- on a tangent, but the, the, to sum it up, don't be a dick, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> that is like my punchline. And you know, I actually thought of that as being my podcast title, Don't Be a Dick, because I say that <laughs> all the time. I end every story with Don't Be a Dick, because no, don't be a little dick. Yes, no. yes. Don't be a big dick. That. You can only be a little dick. You don't be a big clarify dick. that one yeah. time. That will go over everybody's head it right will. now. But, but yeah, don't yeah. be a dick. No. I love that stuff. Amazing, <laughs> so amazing person to follow. Uh, yeah. Like like I said, you you can relate to everybody. So there's there's a nugget there for everybody. Yeah. So. I always try to give takeaways to everybody as well. Yes. So. Yeah. So make yeah. sure to follow Spider. Really appreciate it. And oh. uh, for all those out there listening, 
I hope this provided value for you, and I want you to get out there and hustle the day. Yeah. Thanks, dude.